Welcome back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Another day in the factory of sadness that is Cowboys fandom. We'll get into it. Cowboys lose to the 49ers in the divisional round. We'll also break down and review all the other action in the divisional round. Talk about the final four in the NFL. But lots of Cowboys talk uh, on the uh, plate for us today. We'll get into it. Also, Texas football will go behind the burnt orange curtain. They do get that commitment from the wide receiver, A.D. Mitchell. We'll talk about that as well. Also, talk about the update on the Texas wide receiving coaching position. We got the flex coming up as well, coming up in the show. And Texas basketball getting a big win on the road versus West Virginia. All that and more before we do, let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. He was a second-round pick for the Montreal Expos, but a first-round pick for the Austin Radio Network. He originally committed to the University of Texas, but decided to forego the 40 acres and chase his dream and the cheese. Pippin ain't easy, but for him it's a breeze. Mike Hardball Hard. What's going on, brother? Well, you know what's going on. We're going to yeah. talk about it. It's going to be a long day mm-hmm. because it was a long day last night. You feel me on that? That's how it <laughs> felt for me watching that game. That's right. Y'all heard me correctly. It was a long day last night. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about my boy that sits across from me every single day. He hails from H-Town with the get down. He's a lifetime Longhorn and a proud card-carrying member of DBU. Legendary Longhorn Derek Johnson said he was the best cover corner he had ever seen. He's a former NFL DB that still has that passion for film study. But he's not a fan of white condiments. But he is a fan of you, the listeners. He is my man and yours. Rod Babels. I appreciate the intro as always. It's not a waste any time introducing the real MVP of the show. He's the idealionaire on this show. Also one of the hardest working members of the AR and family. Got a hustler spirit, period. We don't know what he's paid, but we know he's underpaid. Also the owner of the unofficial mascot of Baldo Line, my man Lou. He is Patrick Davis. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good, doing good. You know, there's some days when, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's sad when your team's out of the playoffs. And there's days you're like, man, I don't have to worry about anything yesterday. Just watch football. <laughs> Did not. I'm not jumping off any cliffs today. Thank just, you. Just being okay today because my team, my team screwed it up early. Uh, well, at least your team got a chance to screw it up. I'm a Texans fan, so uh, you, you just stay the, screwed up. Yeah, we are the fuster cluck of the NFL right now, so I got nothing to say. But uh, yes, obviously today, tons of talk about the disappointed Cowboys fandom. So we'll hit it from every angle, and of course, you're the heartbeat of this thing. So hit us up on the Specs text line. We're here for you. 512-337-3776. That's the number to the Specs text line via Twitter. Hardball Harge is his Twitter account via uh, Twitterverse. I'm at Rod Bay. And my man Patrick Davis said it's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. All right. Hard, um, I'll just kind of give you the floor. 19 to 12 loss for the Cowboys to the 49ers. A couple of things I did tell you guys. I said, man, Dan Quinn is going to have a hell of a game plan. Mm-hmm. And Dan Quinn's defense and his philosophy match up well with Jano. I'll say, aside from a couple of, you know, really, I would say small critiques, not even being critical, just critiques of the defensive game plan, I thought it was a magnificent defensive game plan by Dan Quinn. And I thought they, I think the defense did really everything in their power, going up against a high-powered offense and a really well-designed offense and a great play caller in Shano to give their, chance, give their team a chance to win that game. And I'll also say, Special teams, although you did have a block kick, all right, so everybody was a little anxious about that. I thought special teams 
made big plays for you to try to give you a chance to win that game. Uh, there is no question about the offense disappointed, whether you're talking about Dak. I said you did big Dak energy. You got small Dak energy in that game, unfortunately. Uh, you got the turnovers that came back for Dak, uh, but also Kellen Moore, who I'm a big fan of, I'll throw out there as well. Uh, the game plan was lacking, and uh, for some reason he could not get Dak Prescott, his quarterback, in a groove. Uh, he's got to take responsibility for that. So this is on the offense, in my opinion. Um, That's where they got to start to fix things. Um, hopefully you can keep Dan Quinn. If you don't, then it's going to be more of a wholesale fix to try to upgrade. Very fair. Very fair. And everything that you were, you said right there and laid out, I'm the same way. I believe that Dan Quinn showed up. I thought the defense was handling their responsibilities mm-hmm. throughout the game. You look at what Christian McCaffrey had. He didn't have his best game. He was He was pretty much under control. Cowboys got him a touchdown late in the game, and that seemed to be the deciding factor. And again, talking about the special teams, the special teams was outstanding. The special teams did the things that we were expecting them to do. We needed uh, some of those big plays. You got a forced turnover. Boss Man Fats. Hey. Boss Man Fats came out and made a play. Huge play. Big time. Huge and and it, play. the timing of it was good. And what did the Cowboys do? Nothing. They got three points out of that deal. Thank you, Brett Maher, for making the kick. Okay, good. But that should have been seven points when your defense gets a team where your special teams get you on a short field. You should have converted that into a touchdown. But then going back on it on the other side, he gets we kicked the ball off and he returns it. He gets a big return right after that. Turpin. So no, the other one. Uh, oh, oh yeah, uh, McLeod. Yeah, yeah, yeah he got another yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, like he only bounced back. He's the one that had to fumble. Exactly. <laughs> but the def- the special teams needed to stop him again, but they yeah. didn't. They were feeling good about what they had Very last true. time. Very true. And the same thing with Turpin. Turpin should have kept that ball on the outside. I thought he thought he can hit the seam in the middle, but if he bounces that, I think he has touchdown. a better chance to get a touchdown I think on that. So too. Just little nitpicking things. But you're right. The off the offense was terrible. And I've been talking about this all season long. When Dak was using play action at the very beginning of this game, he was seven of eight for 103 yards and a touchdown with a nine point four attempt. Distance every single yeah. time. Yeah, he was he was attempting at least ten yards. He was almost getting the first mm-hmm. down every time he threw the ball, and then they went completely away from the play action. And I know some of that had to do with Pollard being injured and being out of the game, so there was really no threat. But they were still running the ball, so why not go out there and still use the play action? Because if we know these numbers, I hope somebody on that sideline knows the numbers, and they should, they should even know it even more so. And what have I been? saying all year long Dak is best when you put him in a play action situation he's not very good when you have to continue to let him drop back 29 more times to go back and throw the ball he was 16 of 29 for 103 yards and two interceptions without play action I mean the recipe is there it's always been there, but they refuse to look at it in that situation. And to your point about Kellen Moore, where was the creativity? You know that you're going up against the best football defensive team in the NFL. The numbers are there. You also know that Dak continues to throw interceptions when teams are playing zone. So why not be creative and try to get him 
crossing routes, short-timing routes, making him get the ball out of his hand. We talked about that, too. What do you always say, Ra? Quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. When he has to drop back and he has the ball for more than three seconds, it's never good. It's never good. Two things. Offensive line can't block that long. We've already discovered that. And yesterday, the penalties came back on the, on, the, on the Cowboys. They had more penalties called against them than they have in quite some time. So all of that played into what happened yesterday. But most importantly, I know people are going to jump all over Dak. We talked about this at the very beginning of the season, and we talked about it throughout the season. The difference in this team was there were no other options besides C.D. Lamb. There were not other – it was C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz. That's it. That's it. That's all he ever had all year. Yes, there were some moments where you had Noah Brown, T.Y. Hilton coming in late, making some big plays. Michael Gallup, I don't even know who he is anymore. He's a shell of himself. And we talk about all the cow- the players that were with the Cowboys and when they left. Amari Cooper, he did his thing. That was That was the main one. But remember Cedric Wilson and how excited we were about him and all the big plays he was making for him? When he went to the Dolphins, he wasn't even part of their offense. They don't even use him. They don't even use him like no. that. But the Cowboys did, and they let him walk. And that was one of Dak's favorite receivers. Look, we can talk about Dak all day, and I know everybody wants him gone. Dak's not going anywhere. Stop thinking that. I'm going to have to ride with Dak the rest of the time. Am I upset with the way that he played? Am I upset that he had all these games with all these turnovers? Absolutely. But there were bigger problems this year than just Dak Prescott. I don't care that he led the NFL in interceptions. There's been plenty. of We talked about it before. Uh, Matthew Stafford did it too, but they won the Super Bowl. They needed to finish out this game. And I thought with three minutes left, we were about to have big Dak energy. But he didn't have it. He didn't take his hymns. He should have got some hymns. Back, we're talking about with the three, three, it's like 259 left. They get the ball back with three minutes left, and they're down a touchdown. And the first play, oh. Dak almost throws an interception yes. to uh, Dre Greenlaw, and he ends up dropping it. It could, it was going to be a pick six if he catches it. Uh, I don't know what the hell Dak was looking at. I, I could say that probably three or four times during the game. Yeah, very much um, so. And then the <laughs> next so. play, Dak misses Gallup on the skinny post route. Mm-hmm. Where basically he was wide open. Dak threw it to the outside shoulder. If he was throwing it more the to the inside yep. shoulder, that would have been a touchdown. Now these are very small, you know, small details. Um, but when you're playing elite competition in the you know deepest rounds of the playoffs, all right. So that competition level goes up. I do wonder if Cowboys fans are starting to think that Dak has hit his ceiling. Specifically, just kind of with this this current um, uh, whatever this this current amalgamation of talent and the roster, the coaching, whatever it may be, that he hit his ceiling with this specific group because mm-hmm. you've been to the division round twice, coming going out the same way, and he couldn't make those clutch plays down the stretch. Right. We got on Jimmy Garoppolo about the same thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo made a throw here or there. They won the Super Bowl. He's Super Bowl and MVP. His, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then it's, a, it's a totally different narrative about Jimmy Garoppolo. Correct. Same thing about Dak in this game. There were opportunities here and there. Hell, even the ball that he gets to CeeDee Lamb wasn't a great ball. The 46-yarder? Yeah. The reason it's P.I. is because it was an underthrown ball. 
I mean, he had the balls thrown like on the money. You know, telling where CC Lance might be still yeah, running. Yeah, he threw it a little late. You right? threw it a little late. And yep. then right before the half, you throw the pick where you get no points. Should have at least gotten three. Correct. And you throw the pick there. And then it's a swing because Shano and the 49ers end up getting three. Very aggressive. It's a six-point yeah. swing there. Yeah. You lose the game by seven. Yeah. So in a game of inches, I agree with you. There's a lot to be critical of about the Cowboys. But there is no doubt, as my man V.Y. once told me, at the quarterback, you get all the girls, you get all the grief. If Dak Prescott's a better quarterback, you, you win this game. Then we get all the girls, and we're still talking about it. If, we're coming if, in excited today. Yeah, if he, yeah exactly. <laughs> if, he gets, if he's a better quarterback, and no, I'm not saying he's not a bad quarterback. No, I, I, I understand but what you're we saying. Just wa- we're watching Joe Burrow with mm-hmm. three missing offensive linemen <laughs> in the snow mm-hmm. on the road dealing. Yeah. And you can't help but go, well, there's a difference there. There's a difference because they got issues too. They got issues that, you know, at this point in the season – there is really no way to scheme around it. You can to a certain extent, but you just need a quarterback to go out there and just make plays and make the throws. 100%. And the truth is, yeah, just watching it, I like Dak. I'm a Dak fan. Dak hasn't proven to be that guy. He has not. Not at the elite level. We're talking, now we're division round. We're elite level. We're talking about elite eight, final four. Right. Right? The NFL, during the season, you don't, you don't have to win four straight games against elite competition in order to win it all. Correct. In the regular season. You get... Maybe two straight games against elite competition. Then you get, okay, um, a mediocre team to an average team. That's what it takes to win the Super Bowl. You want to play four straight games at your most elite level. Big Dak energy. And the truth is, I think Dak's a good player. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's capable of that. I think Joe Burrow is. I oh, think, I think we all we see know that Patrick about Mahomes Joe is, yep. I, I don't think Dak's capable at four straight games where the competition level rises every time you win in advance. I don't think he's capable of that. And then being able to cover up whatever issues that exist, the injuries that mount, the bad coaching uh, strategies and game plans, all, oh, the raw receiver running a bad route, or, you know, having to buy yourself more time, all those things that good quarterbacks just cover up. You don't think the Kansas City Chiefs got issues? They got issues. Yep. Oh, the, the, the Bengals, they got issues. But if you're, a, if you're a great quarterback, I'm talking about elite, you actually cover up a lot of those issues. Yeah. And Dak can't do that, to your point, that's why he needs more of a support structure around him. He definitely needs more because of a support. Because just like the 49ers built their, their, their blueprint around Jimmy Garoppolo because they knew Jimmy needs help. Yep. Jimmy needs a lot of help. So you, gotta, you better have the best O-line in the league. You better have the most versatile weapon in the league. You better have all Two the, of them, by the way. Exactly. Like, no, no, <laughs> we're saying like, you better have all these yeah. different weapons because he needs them. Right. He can't uplift the talent around him like other all-time great players. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow doesn't have great players. He does. But they got holes, right? They missed three all-starting offensive linemen on the road in the snow versus Buffalo. And they go, <laughs> Joe Burrow goes, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they still ran for 100 yards, too. They the did. Cincinnati did. They did. But I want to go back to, to, to what you were saying about Dak. And, I, I <laughs> look, I told y'all last week, I am done defending him until he takes that next step. But, again, he is not the biggest problem. And when he said that I'm not going to have that type of uh, career again, I mean, season again where he's going to throw that many interceptions, you talked about it. He's not that type of person. That's not who he is. That's not in his DNA. He's not going to turn the ball over that much. But in the biggest times, in the biggest moment, I was preparing myself when they got the ball back and he had that opportunity that was almost that pick six by by, Greenlaw. Greenlaw. Mm -hmm. I was like, "I, I, I can't. I can't. You just almost fumbled the bag again. You've been lucky a couple times, and it came back to haunt you. So for me, 
until he can clean this up, whether it's him and uh, uh, Kellen Moore going back and breaking it all down and finding out where the problems lie and what was he seeing. Because just like you, I'm like, you know you can't throw the ball right there, man. And your numbers have dictated that you're not good at seeing where the linebackers are. Like, all of his picks across the middle or those quick little stop routes, the linebackers are the ones that are always making these plays. And it's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking to me because I'm like, how do you not see these people? But that goes back to your point about the play action. Play action sucks the linebackers exactly. in, occupies their eyes, so they can't just read Dak straight off uh, the back from the snap and then being, being able to pretty much um, you know read his eyes and read the route combinations. And that's why you see a lot of those picks are coming at the linebacker depth, second level. Um, I think out of the 17 interceptions, 16 of them, are been straight dropbacks. Yeah. Without play action. Without play action. One of them has been with play action, I right. believe. And, and it was a tip pass. Um, and it yeah. was a tip ball, too. So, I mean, you're right about that. I don't know why they don't try to, you know, utilize that concept more or deploy it more. They don't. And even when you don't have a running game, because uh, Tony Pollard going out was huge. Mm-hmm. But that's goes back to the Cowboys. Listen, you the one who made Zeke <laughs> <laughs> the highest paid short yardage back in the history of the NFL. Goal line, goal line. Right? If not, <laughs> then you could have been able to get other pieces or get him on the cheap. That's different. And even your point about the mark uh, not having weapons, yeah, I mean, misreading and miscalculating the wide receiver market, you know, that cost him another weapon. And if you're not going to get Amari Cooper, why not get Cedric Wilson, to your point? Right. So, yeah, there is – the, I think they're at the executive level, management, there's blame at the coaching level. There's blame there, of course, but the coordinating and the play calling. Uh, but with the players, there's blame. I mean, right. I'm with you. Turpin, dude, that one, one the, the wrong cut versus the right cut, different touchdown. Ball game. Yeah. yeah, different ballgame. Um, Dak, we just talked about, Dak could have made several plays. He did not. Um, hell, I, I, I love me some Trevon Diggs. Uh, oh, that one. I mean, it's, it's really tough to catch a tip pass. But ooh, it went through like his bread bag. I was just about to it say, went through correct. The it bread. is if it, if it was you know offline or something. Mm. It came straight to you, dog. It mm. came straight to you. Hit you in the seven. In Hit seven. you in the seven. I can't call. I can't talk. All right, you know everybody know right. I got hands like feet. But come on, man, you got to catch that. You catch that. The big time players make plays. I was just about to say that. Game. Thank you. That's all. That's all Thank it is. You. Look at Kittle. Kittle's out there making play, improvising, yeah, improvising. You know what I mean? Kelsey improvising. Yeah, great players. They're gonna make play. And this yep. is saying the Cowboys don't have great players, but they just and even Michael Parsons, they just didn't make enough plays in that game. Yeah. No, and we can still say. Uh, someone needs to talk to Dalton Schultz about clock awareness. Yeah. He made two plays at the end of that game that were like they Dallas was probably gonna come back and score anyway. Well, he was not the ball hell Mary. That he bumped out of bounds and went backwards so the clock kept running and yep. then did not put two feet in bounds, which is super routine. It's just like that attention to detail that all seemed to go away. Tony Pollard got hurt and they went, All right, Dak's now a superhero. As we said, Dak's not elite. I've never said Dax Lee. I say he's a top 15 quarterback in the league, and 15 teams would love to have him. But you you have to realize that he's not elite, so you need to build a team that is a team, and you go, look, we're going to have to pay you a lot of money because that's how quarterbacks work in the NFL because someone else will pay you this, and then we'll be back to square one. Right. And we'll be playing with Cooper Rush, who's, gonna, who's not going to get us in the playoffs. So we have to do what we have to do. But at that point, you can't then trade away his number one wide receiver and then not add anybody else with what they did getting rid of Amari Rodgers or Amari Cooper. Cooper. Uh, When you don't, when you consistently try and push Zeke Elliott, 
when you don't even re-sign Dalton Schultz, so you just kind of keep him franchise tag. franchise tagged, yep. and now you're gonna have to figure out who you're gonna franchise tag because you've got like four guys you don't want to pay, and you just keep not adding pieces, and it goes back to the problem of having an owner be a GM to really make a run. Sometimes you got to go all in. The 49ers went all in when they realized they were pot committed to Trey Lance and still went out and made a trade for Christian McCaffrey. Yep. And that's that little tick over of the difference splash. between those two teams is they had a they had a, a GM who says, "Look, if I don't win, I get fired." Jerry's never getting fired. So he will just consistently not make that one move to leverage his future because he knows it's going to hurt him in the back end because he will still own the Dallas Cowboys in seven years when all their draft picks are gone and they have they went cash over cap or whatever they did to try and get a competitive edge to win a Super Bowl. He doesn't want to do that step. And so you get this. We're a very well-coached team, team that had a lot of talent, but just just not the better team on that day. They just – and, I mean, when you, once you take Tony Pollard out of the equation, definitely not the better team because now you don't have a running game. Yeah. You know, one thing I think the Cowboys – and I agree with everything you said, by the way um, – in terms of getting over the hump, this is what they have to decide. You got to decide, I always say, you know, picking a franchise quarterback or picking a quarterback mm-hmm. is like picking a significant other, the woman you marry is not always, or man, not always the hottest woman or man you ever dated. They were the one that was most compatible and right with you. Um, but for the Cowboys, they have to decide whether they want to stay married to Dak, which is obviously the the – that's the most sensible thing to do, that you're staying married to Dak. And if that's the case, if you're not going to divorce and remarry, <laughs> which is the tougher thing to do, um, you have to upgrade other circumstances in your life, right? Um, so that y'all can be the best couple possible, all right? The, the healthiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the Cowboys, if they're not going to really separate themselves from Dak, and I don't see that happening, even though I think it's a, a discussion worth having. You should, as an organization, have the discussion. Um, you got to now talk about upgrading, and I like Kellen Moore, big fan of Kellen Moore, mm-hmm. but you do must you must examine, okay, if we can't get rid of Dak, and you're not getting rid of Dak, how can we upgrade everything, almost every, every piece around him? And even though your offense has been a top five offense with Kellen Moore, you do have to entertain the option of upgrading there as well because you can upgrade there. Correct. That's not something that will, you know, that's not something that's going to really set you back salary cap wise or anything like that. You can pay for the best offensive mind money can buy that will take the OC position. Correct. And you can do that. And that will also help Dak become the best player he can be. I will admit that's something you need to consider, and it might need to be your top priority considering you got to build around Dak. Well, the other part of that is you may not, you may not have a choice. You may oh, not have don't. a choice. You may end up having to do it anyway because Kellen Moore is going to be interviewing for all these jobs, Fair. and if he gets hired by this, you need to start looking into that anyway. So I, I am with you on that because, again, as we said, people keep saying, look, uh, Dak is not the guy. Okay, he's not, but he's not going anywhere. He ain't going nowhere. They're paying him too much money, and I know that people are like, oh, well, you can you can do all. No, you can't. He's getting this money. This is what's going to happen. Maybe in year two, 2023 or 20, I mean, excuse me, 2024, you might be able to get out of that contract, yeah. and it so, may not be that big of a hit for you. Contractually, he's you cannot cut him at all this offseason. He's Correct. still got $90 million in dead cap, so you, it's, a, it's impossible to cut him right now. After next year, you can cut him with $40 million with a dead cap. If you go another year, you're pretty much out of the contract. Yeah. 
He did, they're not cutting him. He's yeah. the face of that. They love him. You, uh, uh, he's my quarterback. I'm going to continue <laughs> to work with him, and I'll do it again. Okay, <laughs> that's that's fine, Jerry. We we believe in you. What are you going to do now to get over it? Because this is like you said, this is the ceiling, right? We've For already him. we've hit this ceiling yeah. with this group. Yeah. This is where we're at. You've made changes on the outside, everything. You tried to dress it up, and it just don't look the same. We can tell all that's fake. We could tell all that's plastic. I understand what's going on, but now what is the next move? You may end up having to get a new defensive coordinator as well. That's, Dan Quinn may be on, on the move. Yeah. Uh, so you may have to bring in a whole new staff to try to piece this together. But I still say this. If you don't go out and get yourself another cornerback and another wide receiver, what are we doing? What are we doing? Because yeah. you still have to, you still have to add those pieces back. Hell, bring Cedric Wilson back. I'll be happy with that. I don't, he's not being used there. No, he's no. not being used there, and he knows where to go. He knows the routes to run, and he's already worked with Dak, and they seem to have had a great relationship prior to him leaving. Yeah, now you got some things to to fix and address in the offseason. Certainly, um, the hope is that Dan Quinn will be there, but you don't necessarily know that. Right, um, and I really don't think I don't. I, to be honest with you, you think Dan Quinn's taking I, one of those, those for jobs? sure. He's been interviewed for by sure. I believe four of the five yep. uh, vacancies or four of the five teams that have vacancies. Um, so that's yeah. I mean that could happen too. All right, we got a lot to get into. We'll get into the um, review of the division around. My man Hard is sad, along with a lot of other Cowboys <laughs> fans. I get it. And it, it I'm just angry, Rod. Yeah, I mean <laughs> this, this is the question. So obviously you don't consider this season a success. Then. Mm-mm. So the season was a failure. I mean, we're pretty much we're just. Or is it a push? Rinse and repeat. So it's not a failure or a success. It's rinse and repeat. It's like Texas, last year. Remember Texas football then? Right. Remember last year they got they won twelve games last year too and got to the division around and got beat by the Forty ers Can I go devil's advocate? Sure. Run a, won a playoff road game. That's very that, for the first yep. time in man. How long has it been? Like thirty Two, years yeah, or something? Like, yeah, thirty like something years. Thirty years. Uh, 15 years since uh, you made the playoffs in back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. Did that. Uh, 26 years since you had double-digit win seasons in back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? It's And a lot of people would have thrown out there that they thought the season was over when Tyron Smith and Dak got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But you ended up winning, what, four games with your backup quarterback? Yeah. Things were great. So I, I'm, I'm just going devil's advocate. I'm not saying it's a success, but when you start looking at it, there was there was some strides made as an as an organization, as a culture. Here's simply put, as a football culture, the, just like the Texas Longhorns, which is it seems ironic that both of these teams get compared all the time because they're pretty much the same team for for a lot of people. It feels that way. Uh, what did we say about Texas football? They needed to be in a Big Twelve championship game, right? Same thing for the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys needed to get to the NFC Championship game from what we like our guys mm-hmm. to where we are now because our guys is what hurt us. Uh, when Pollard got hurt, the game plan never changed. I mean, it, it changed enough to where Dak was throwing the ball, but we weren't even trying to run the football anymore. I don't think they trusted their running backs. But, but at least – Give my man some play action. No, I know, but I, was, yeah. I, I don't think they have. They trusted the talent in the backfield, and that's also that's on. Bad. That's yep. on management. Yep. That's, that's on you guys. The GM. That's oh, on Jera. The GM Jera. Will McClay. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, listen, when the when the 49ers, uh, they didn't lose Christian McCaffrey, but when he started feeling, uh, I don't know, a little gimpy because of his calf muscle, mm-hmm. uh, they put in Elijah Mitchell and. 
He was almost taking it to the, the house anyway. Pounded the rock. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, why didn't they put in Malik Davis? I mean, why was he not ready to go? Was he still not? But, I mean, you still can put him out there. You never know. He might have been the one to hit a home run. I don't know about that. I don't know. I would have taken the chance. <laughs> At any point, I don't man. Know about that. I'm just like, come on. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. We'll, we'll go to break. I know there's a lot of stuff on the Specs text. I will come back, read some of those texts. Come <clears> back. Also, go behind the burnt orange curtain. Texas football gets uh, a commitment from A.D. Mitchell via the transfer portal. We'll talk about what that means for the wide receiver room, which still has yet to announce a coach. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful number one. Smooth Soul Monday right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. And uh, today, I think the Smooth Soul Monday theme uh, will do as intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who are dealing with their team losing over the weekend and Cowboys fans. Hopefully, uh, my man Patrick can uh, soothe your tortured soul. Because it's weird. Cowboys fans, like it, it, to, to win you know, the wild card round, and to get to the division round again and then lose, there there should be some um, comfort in that. But for Cowboys fans, it's not. They are tortured right now after that. So, I think the reason, this is the true reason, and I'm not going to speak for all Cowboy fans, but the game was there to win. It was there to be won. Because of that, I think, is the real yeah. crux of everyone's anger. Sound like a Longhorn we, fan. Ex- the game was there. <laughs> what I say? The parallels. <laughs> Sound like a Longhorn fan. The parallels like of And it just so happens that I'm a fan of both. The game was there to be won. How often we said that about yeah, exactly. like, The game was there to be won, man. The game was there to be won, yeah. and it came down to those types of plays. It, you know as well as I do, especially at this time, and we'll talk about some of these other games, but when you look at the opportunities that were there oh. and the opportunities that were missed, I think that is the truest of the frustrations yeah. for everyone. Agreed. So, because if I had told you, I know, because I know we'll get to, I want to talk about Texas in a second, but if I had told you that you were going to hold San Francisco to 19 points and 3.5 yards per carry, and you're going to hold Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel combined to 24 touches for 137 yards combined. You'd have been like you, you, you dancing. You'd be like, what, "What Cowboys win? How yeah. much? They might, they, they might have win by. We ready for Philly? Yeah, they don't win you by know? a touchdown or more. Exactly. No, you lost by a touchdown. You lost by a touchdown. Even though you the had a, moments yeah. were there, yep. and I think that is the most frustrating fa- uh, part for fans. That is because you're watching the game, you're seeing it, and you're like, Dan Quinn is drawing up a masterpiece. It is just get something. Mm. Can we get a little something? And then you see them, they drive down. Dalton Schultz, touchdown. you thinking, okay, that looked good. We're moving the ball against mm-hmm. this team. And then you go, it's 9-9. Nine 9-9. Nine. Nine nine. You there. think you got a shot. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, reality hits you in the face. And it's like, no, we don't. Yeah. We don't. We no, got problems. The fourth quarter is when they separate. I believe they yep. scored that touchdown yes. Right, yes. right, right at the beginning of the fourth quarter mm-hmm. right there. Um, and that's when the separation starts. And that's upsetting, too, because that's also – if you're a Cowboys fan and a Longhorn fan, 
eerily similar. It's like, You've oh, in the fourth quarter, we're not a fourth quarter. We're not a four quarter team. We're a three and a half quarter team. Right. We can play for four quarters. Got a chance to win some of those games. All right. yep. I know. We, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's what I'm saying. Yep. You're yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. I know I'm we'll agreeing, bro. To, I know, I, we, we'll, we'll talk about it in the four and the five. We yeah. got a lot of time set aside to talk four about the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. And I'll probably get into it in Rod's round today because I know Cowboys fans, they got a lot to get off their chest. Well, you know I'm getting in the hard knocks life. Exactly. So it's going to be <laughs> – and we'll get to the divisional round, yes. a review of the other games as well. And actually, those were boring games. Can we agree? The divisional would, round was boring. Uh, I was would bored. say so. I got uh, bored. I got bored with the Philadelphia game for sure. Oh, Philly! I got bored with the Philly game. Yep. I would say the Jacksonville, Kansas City game got interesting because Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes got, got hurt. hurt but yeah. yeah, the ankle injury. But if he didn't get hurt, that thing was going to be ugly too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, the Cowboys game, though, the 49ers game did not disappoint. That was a great game to watch. Obviously, if you're a Cowboys fan, not so much. All right, let's get to the uh, <laughs> behind the burnt orange curtain here. So, Harge, I'll give you credit. You were confident. I know you got some sources, maybe or sorta, but uh, you came in <laughs> maybe here. Maybe or sorta. Uh, so I'm not. You, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. You let us know if you want to reveal stuff, but yeah. you did say on Friday uh, that oh no, Texas will get the commitment of Ad Mitchell. You was like, it's you know, you couldn't guarantee it, but you all but guaranteed it. And yeah. You said he's not. He's He's not leaving Texas. Like, he ain't leaving Texas Because he was visiting Texas. So yeah. you knew. How, how did you know? What did you know? Well, just the way that everything was happening and, the you know, wherever there's smoke, there's usually some fire there. So bit. you start talking to people and start listening to certain things, and you're like, well, how how is Texas even on here? Because dude wasn't even in the transfer portal yet. Mm-hmm. Remember, it took some time. And there, there was rumblings, though, this kid might be getting in the transfer portal. And then the next thing you know, we hear he's in town already. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they're making sure that this dude, there's a reason why he's already on the list to be at the University of Texas. Then bring in the, the uh, junior weekend, junior yep. day, everybody's in mm-hmm. town. I, they were full court pressing this kid in the necessity of what Sark has been trying to get for his passing game. Yeah. What did he say going into it? We have to upgrade our passing game. What bigger upgrade can you bring in than a two-time national champion at mm-hmm. wide receiver that has been with Georgia and knows what it takes to be at that level? Yep. So you got to bring in guys that are like that and impactful guys, not just guys. He's not he's not jumping into the portal anymore to if it's somebody that they don't necessarily need right away. We thought Isaiah Nayor was going to be there. And you were talking about it the other day too, Rod. You were saying that might be even more insurance – for Isaiah Nayor, because we still don't know what he's going to be like. Remember, mm-hmm. we've been waiting for, we were waiting for a long time for Troy O'Meary to come back after his injury, and he just never got to that point. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Isaiah, but you want to make sure that you have that room full, and that room is full now. They got some. They got some players in that room. Yeah, I mean Xavier Worthy, obviously, um, you know he's considered to be the top dog in that room. But Jay Witt's coming back as mm-hmm. a veteran wide receiver. Um, you know Isaiah Nayor coming off the injury, but there are a lot of big expectations for him last year. Ad Mitchell, as we just mentioned, he's going to be uh, joining that group. You got Casey Kane, who had a nice mm-hmm. end to the season for him in the bowl game. Brennan Thompson's your speedster in there. Savion Red, very versatile piece, and you bring in the youngsters, Jonte Cook, yep. Ryan Niblett. DeAndre Moore. That's a stacked room. There's no, and by the way, still don't know who the wide receiving coach is going to be. We'll talk about that. Uh, That's a stacked room. So there's no real excuse for the wide receiving depth to be a factor in in the regression or the stalemate of the passing game. The passing game should progress, and you really shouldn't get uh, the regression you had last year. My concern is that 
you know, you last year you had kind of the tr- training wheels, if you will, for Sark in his first two years. Right. You had B. John Robinson and Rojo in the backfield. All right. Two NFL backs. One guy is going to be drafted er- early to middle of the first round somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he'll drive down to late first round, but he's going to be a first round back and a first back taken. Um, they got a special and a generational back. And we know statistically, analytically, uh, that Rojo was just as effective when he got the ball in his hand. Sometimes more effective. Yep. Had a higher broken tackle rate than Bijan Robinson. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's one of those guys that's kind of a freak, too. Now that you're taking the training wheels off of the offense, um, this is going to all be on Sark, his quarterback development, and that offensive line. Um, because you know that's the group that's supposed to be the the true stars uh, coming up. You got one of the highest rated quarterbacks in in the history of recruiting. You got one of the highest rated offensive line classes in the history of recruiting. All right, and your wide receiving group is a veteran group of wide receivers. Yep, that should be the formation of the identity of your offense right there. Correct. And if that passing game regresses, well, honestly, to me, it would just show you that without those training wheels, the Bijan and the Rojo. Sark struggling, and the offense would be struggling to find their identity. Correct. And, and you still got to figure out who's your quarterback. We all know going into the season, I strongly believe it's going to be Quinn coming out of the box. Mm-hmm. But if he struggles, are you willing to make a change? Are you willing to go out there and say, we, we, we have to find something different? Because the weapons, you can't deny what you have. It's there. Mm-hmm. And I, I still go back to this, and I'm not going to pound the table anymore because everybody understands – I thought that you underutilized Jay Witt last year, whether it's because Quinn was locked in on X-Men the entire time. You weren't drawing it up for him. There were some adjustments that need to be made. I don't know. I wasn't in mm-hmm. those meetings. But I do know that he was underutilized. And you now that you have all of these weapons, all of these weapons, what adjustments are you going to make to make sure that these guys get into uh, the flow of the game, where you're going to be able to keep all these guys happy. There's no way all those dudes stay, though. There's they're, they're, No, of there, course. There's no way by the time we get to kickoff of next this coming season that all of those guys are in that room. The transfer portal, give it and, and take, take it away. away. No it's doubt. going to take it away a couple. But that's why you just stockpile You got to keep going. Yeah, you stockpile talent yeah. because you assume that one or two of those guys who are unhappy, who's not playing, they're going to end up transferring, and you hope the cream rises to the top, that kind of thing. No doubt. Um, okay, th- no update yet on the wide receiving coaching position. Like we said last week, to me – that hints that you know Chris Jackson of Jacksonville might be the guy. That was obviously um, the uh, playoffs, the divisional round over the weekend, and he was still coaching. The belief is now that now the Jacksonville Jaguars are done, and we'll talk about that uh, matchup uh, coming up in the four o'clock. But now that they are done, that maybe we'll get a little bit more progress on the Chris Jackson story or the wide receiving coaching position for Texas. No doubt. So we'll see. Uh, we haven't heard much, but that was the That's last thing. That's been the heard. quietest yeah. thing around this university in a very long time. The last thing we heard was <laughs> inside Texas Bobby Burton saying Chris Jackson was the leading candidate. Yep. Um, and Orange Blood's also reporting something very similar. And then now after it was crickets. Yep. Crickets after that. Yeah, it's been so, very quiet. <laughs> yeah, other than Chris Jackson denying right, right. that he's talking to Texas yeah. and saying that he needs to focus on his job, which. 
made Longhorn fans even more giddy. Yeah. Like, okay, he's yeah. definitely talking to Texas. We got you. <laughs> sure you're not. <laughs> exactly. You got to deny it. I mean, yeah. something's going on. There's some smoke there. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll get to uh, the Flex, and the Flex also is Longhorn related. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may have one of the best high school football coaches in the States, especially right here in Central Texas, who may be climbing the ranks to join the staff over on the 40 Acres. We'll talk about that coming up in the Flex right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful on the Horn. Don't lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a Smooth Soul Monday right here on Ball Don't Lie. Uh, smooth Soul Monday intended to uh, soothe the tortured soul of sports fans whose team uh, didn't get the dub over the weekend. That includes Cowboys fans. We'll get back to talking Cowboys uh, next segment. Top of the 4 o'clock. Also reviewing the divisional round games. Uh, we'll get back to that, of course. But uh, first, the Flex, FLXATX.com, FLXATX on all of your social media platforms. Um, this actually is is uh, one of the most surprising flex stories that we've uh, heard uh, since we've been doing the flex segments, honestly. Um, one of Austin ISD's uh, most uh, successful head coaches and most successful uh, program builders, LBJ head coach Jamal Finner, uh, announced on Monday morning, yeah, this morning, um, that he was resigning his post as head coach of the um, LBJ Jaguars after five seasons. The resignation is not totally unexpected. He has been linked by multiple outlets to become the new director of high school relations at the University of Texas, although no official announcement by the University of Texas has been made. That position opened up when Chris Gilbert became assistant head coach slash tight ends coach at the University of North Texas. Yep. Um, Finner was a cornerback at Austin Reagan, uh, played, uh, played for head coach Andrew Jackson in his high school days, um, ended up playing at UTEP and played at, uh, in the Arena League for a while, um, joined Andrew Jackson staff at LBJ where he was OC. And in 2017, while Coach Jackson um, battled cancer, Finner took over um, a more prominent role on the staff. Um, and then from then on, he's been a fast rising star in the head coaching range here in the great state of Texas. And it looks like, and I even read over at Inside Texas, shot out to them um, that their sources are telling them that also Coach Fenner will be taking that position as director of high school football relations. Yeah, that's a great move by the University of Texas and, and Coach Sark, and he has a an idea of what he's looking for, and, and it looked like Coach Fenner got that job. Um, you know, the one thing that I was kind of curious about, and I'm glad that he did go and get Fenner once all this stuff is uh, uh, finalized and being announced officially, but I was thinking that he was either going to go to the Houston area or mm-hmm. the Dallas area. That's yep. where he got Coach Gilbert from mm-hmm. was the Dallas area. Yep. So I was curious to what he was going to do because, you know, the pipeline and the, the, the blood line of a lot of these teams is Houston and Dallas. This area has gotten a lot better. There is a lot of talent, especially mm-hmm. when he was at LBJ. I mean, think about some of the players that he had in the schools that they are going to. One is at Clemson. Another one's going to Vanderbilt. He's had other guys mm-hmm. that have come through that program that have taken some big steps. But most importantly, I think this is a a, a great get for Sark because it does have the local flavor. A kid that grew up in this area mm-hmm. right across the street from, from – uh, Shout out. From uh, – 
UT. So he got a chance to stay home, and, and this is a great move for him and his family. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Sark and how if he hires Chris Jackson, um, that'll be a more of a California tie than a mm-hmm. Texas tie. Um, but I do believe you can hire like special assistants. We know that things of that nature. Yep. Um, so there's uh, there's still room on the staff, considering this, how big the support staffs are these days, for him to hire someone with those. H Town or DFW ties, no doubt. But you have to. You have I mean, to have them. Man. You got to have. I mean, yeah. like I said, only, only Texas, Florida, California, and Georgia have produced more NFL players via the uh, draft, NFL players per capita, um, than uh, uh, basically DFWC is the fifth most fertile. Uh, NFL, uh, um, kind of the NFL developmental ground for high school talent in the country. Right. Behind Texas, Florida, California, and Georgia. Yeah. And Houston is not far behind. Houston Houston is still in the top ten um, in the last few years. No in terms doubt about of it. Developing NFL uh, draftable players. The, the, the Houston, greater Houston area is probably only behind Dallas, DFW, Texas, Florida, California, Georgia, and Louisiana. Actually, yeah, Louisiana starting to grow a per capita. Bit too. Oh, Louisiana's yeah. always had a ton of talent there, so you gotta have you gotta have footholds in both of those cities. And Sark's got great relationships there on his staff, um, but you want to make sure you got ace rec- rainmakers. You do who got ties there. Yeah, yeah, and definitely it. being a part of the Texas High School Coaches Association. This is a great move by Sark. Um, the ties that hopefully Coach Finner already has to all these high schools here. And this is going to be something to pay attention to because each year you see the growth. You know, you had Bob Shipley there at one point. Now, and last year you had Coach Gilbert there. Mm-hmm. Now you have Coach Fenner. So this is this is smart move and great with the Texas high school coaches uh, relationships. Yeah, I mean you ain't gonna be to win uh, unless you make sure you're in good with that group. For sure, we've uh, know about some. We know about some coaches <laughs> in the past here at Texas who did not uh, pay their dues, right. pay their respects, uh, proper respects to Texas high school football coaches, and they paid for it. Yes, they later did. on um, yeah. because those relationships need to be strong. Um, um, and you need to make sure that those bonds with the coaches are strong. That's the reason Mac Brown, if he won the national title, gave a shout out to the Texas high school football Hello. coaches. They were like in the first. This is yours, right? Yeah, that's like, right. It was like in the first three or four <laughs> groups that he thanked. It was like yeah. Texas high school football coaches. Was like, yeah. hey, he, the man is This smart. is yours. He understands, and uh, yeah, no doubt. I think Sark understands the assignment as well. All right, so congrats. Uh, well, not officially. But yeah, not when a, it becomes yeah. official, congrats to Coach Fenner, man. That's yep. a that's a great move by him. Upward mobility. That's what it's all about. All right, we come back. We'll uh, move on to talk more Cowboys. So we'll talk Cowboys losing to the 49ers. Also reviewing the other divisional round games. All that and more. Don't go anywhere. Right here on Ball Don't Lie. I'm one of four. I'm the horn.